0: One but I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in the we. episode. First. Yeah. He's still He's to to the podcast, hey. in Sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Monday, May seventeenth, two thousand twenty-one. People, hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope everybody is ready for another fun edition, a Monday edition of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Not gonna lie. Not a ton that happened since the last time we recorded, but a couple things that I do want to get to. I do want to talk about Jaden Hardy, the last elite high school basketball player. He has made his decision. Believe it or not, he is not playing college basketball, choosing the G League over Kentucky and UCLA. But I will tell you why even in choosing the G League, I actually think this is still a good sign for college basketball, as crazy as it sounds. From there. The Hall of Fame this weekend, obviously incredible weekend. Uh, Beautiful speech from Vanessa Bryant, from Kevin Garnett, from Tim Duncan. But what I want to talk about is next year's Hall of Fame class. It was announced on, on Sunday, the 2021 class. The one name that wasn't there that needs to be, though, Bob Huggins. It is time. Put him in the hall. When I give you Bob Huggins' resume, you will be blown away. We'll talk about that. We will wrap the show with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Fun game that I play sometimes in the fall. And I should mention, I almost did this today, but I'm going to wait until next episode. If you love college hoops and you love the transfer portal, uh, I was going to do the biggest winners of college basketball transfer season, but we have two big commitments coming on Monday. Severe Wheeler and Katie Johnson, both really good guards, both maybe not ironically transferring from Georgia. They're both committing. So I am going to wait until Thursday's show to do that. Uh, Go ahead, talk about the winners and losers of the transfer portal. That will be on Thursday. A lot of good players have moved. I think you will be blown away when I talk about all the good players that have come and gone during transfer season. But with that said, let's get into the topic of the day. And on Saturday, as I said, Jaden Hardy, five-star guard, chose to sign with the G League, choosing offers. Over you know Kentucky UCLA whatever a little bit of backstory for people who are not super plugged into the high school recruiting rankings basically Jaden Hardy the last truly elite difference making player that was available in this recruiting cycle uh, I mentioned last week when Patrick Baldwin committed to his to play for his father at Milwaukee there's three four five guys at the top and you could kind of put them in any order Paulo Banchero who's going to Duke uh, Chet Holmgren who's going to Gonzaga Pat Baldwin who's going to Milwaukee but this kid Jaden Hardy is right there 6'4 guard, elite, super talented player, uh, three-level score. The comparison that a lot of people have made to Jaden Hardy is to Bradley Beal. I can totally see it. This kid is a star. And I'm obviously, look, it goes without saying that I'm really disappointed that we are not going to see him in college basketball. I'm going to explain why in a minute I actually think it's a good sign Uh, I don't think it's a good sign for college basketball, but I think it's, it's a better sign for college basketball than people realize, but I'm obviously disappointed that he's not gonna be playing in college basketball. Incredible talent, incredibly gifted, a fun game that translates to the college level. And I think he would have had a Jalen Suggs type impact in college basketball next year from the perspective that he would have been super dynamic, super fun to watch, super, uh, you know, uh, would have lived up to the hype. And he has a game that is really like tailor made for SportsCenter for YouTube, for all of the stuff that gets people excited about college basketball and excited uh, to watch an individual player, uh, a marquee team, etc. And so on the one hand, yes, I am very disappointed that he is not going to college basketball. On the other hand, I, 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 I don't blame him. And I think anybody who listens to this show regularly knows where I stand on all this. I wish all these kids came to college basketball. I think college basketball has some inherent value that nobody talks about, which we'll get into in a minute. But what I would also say is I will never begrudge any individual young man or woman, frankly, if they have an opportunity to do the same, to go make money to help support their family. And so when it came down to Jaden Hardy's recruitment, It felt like really, while there was some initial buzz with Kentucky early, then there was a little bit of UCLA buzz, the G League had basically been the favorite and the front runner, if you will, for his commitment really over the last four, five, six months. And so if he felt that he needed to do this to help support his family, I am never going to blame him. To be blunt, as far as college is concerned, I know we got a bunch of Kentucky fans that listen. I know there was some buzz when Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman, the two top assistant coaches, both signed on to uh, to coach at Kentucky. There was some buzz. Maybe they can get in the, the side door and convince them to come to college. I was actually told that this was basically done even before They got to Kentucky. That maybe Kentucky put on a good effort at the end, but that this was basically a done deal long before they even got there. He may have even signed the contract officially with the G League two, three, four weeks ago, and that it was never realistic that he was going to go to Kentucky or go to UCLA. But again, for the record, never blame any player for choosing to help support his family. At the same time, I actually think, as I mentioned a minute ago, when I saw his commitment and I actually thought about it, I actually think this is a great sign for college basketball, believe it or not. And let me explain why. Because I know right now you're thinking I'm crazy. How could you possibly, Torres, what are you talking about? You're turning on us. Are you a G League Ignite fan now? Do you love the G League more than you love college hoops? No, I don't. But what I would also say is when I think about this G League, when I think about this cycle, here is what you need to know about the second iteration of the G League Ignite is that as of right now, They have only signed three high school players total and only two five stars. This kid, Jaden Hardy, Michael Foster, who's another five star, who basically from the beginning, it was presumed that he was going to choose a professional path. And then they signed some other kid uh, who's originally from China. He was actually committed to Gonzaga. But if you think that it's gonna be a loss for Gonzaga, he actually wasn't even gonna be in the rotation next year. He was gonna be the eighth, ninth, tenth man at Gonzaga. And so when I look at what happened with the G League this year, I'm actually very happy because as of right now, they only have three guys signed for this entire program for next season. Now, the question becomes, of course, how do you put together a team when you only have three guys? That remains to be seen. That's another question for another day. And of course, the reality is that other guys in theory could sign with the G League going forward. But let's also be realistic with where we are on the calendar. It is the end of May, the middle of May going into the end of May. Within the next 10 days or so, all of these freshmen are set to report to their individual campuses. Uh, You know, Auburn, Alabama, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Gonzaga – all these teams are bringing back players for summer classes here in the next two, three, four weeks. So the idea that the G League is just gonna swoop in and steal a bunch of guys at the end, it doesn't appear as though that is going to happen. And it appears as though the G League is only going to get three guys from the entire 21, 2021 class, and really only two guys in general that that were like going to be marquee college players. And so part of why I actually think this is a great sign for college basketball is because one only two guys have actually signed with the G League program but I think we also have to take a step back to this time last year when the G League program was first initiated in April for people who don't remember all the details Jalen Green were thinking it's down to Memphis and Auburn and maybe I forget who one or two other schools he was a top five recruit in high school basketball he's going to choose Memphis he's going to choose Auburn and then all of a sudden this professional route um, pops up, and it's not Australian, it's not overseas, and you don't have to go very far, and when Jalen Green signed with this G League program, I, like a lot of people, was like, "Uh uh-oh, this could be really bad for college basketball. Jalen Green signs, Isaiah Todd signs just a day or two later, he was set to go to the University of Michigan, and if you remember there was this huge wave of news over about a 24-hour period that they were going to sign a bunch of these elite players, that Jalen Suggs could choose the G League, that, um, that uh, Terrence Clark, the late Terrence Clark, might choose the G League over the University of Kentucky. And there was a real belief at this point last year, really more April than May, that they were going to take all the top high school basketball players and that none of those elite players were ever going to come to college basketball anymore. And so when you go back to this time last year, I think there was real concern in college basketball. Like these elite players will never come play college basketball again. And I I'll even take it a step further. I remember when Oklahoma State was banned from the NCAA tournament in June of last year. The G League tried to swoop in and get Cade Cunningham to leave Oklahoma State to go to to go to the G League. And had he done that, I remember having a show when that happened, I said, if he goes to the G League, it means that him, Jalen Green, uh, Jonathan Cunningham, all these really good players are going And once they get drafted really high, there's never gonna be a reason for players to come back to college basketball. And so this was the thought process a year ago about this G League. And when Cade Cunningham almost went to the G League, decided to come to Oklahoma State, I was really worried, and I think most people in college basketball were really worried, like, these elite players are just not going to come to college basketball anymore. So to fast forward a year, and to see all these elite players, by the way, late in the process commit, they, you know behind the scenes they were being offered a lot of money by that G League to join their program. Instead, Chet Holmgren chooses to go to Gonzaga. Instead, uh, Patrick Baldwin chooses to go play for his father at Milwaukee. Instead, Ty Ty Washington, who we know had some form of professional options, chooses to go to Kentucky. The fact that all these five-star guys chose college basketball over professional options, that is a great sign for college basketball, and I'll take it a step further. It's not just a great sign that they chose college basketball over these pro options, but especially in this year, because remember, all of the great things that we love about college basketball, this high school recruiting class didn't get to experience any of them. You know how many of these kids had to commit without ever visiting the campuses that they're now going to play college basketball at? Ty Ty Washington, never been to Kentucky, Uh, You know, there's a bunch of other guys. I can't name everybody off the top of my head. But if there was ever a year where you would think there was just going to be a bunch of elite kids say, I'm not going to play college. I've never been to the campuses. I've never met the coach face to face. I've never had the opportunity to sit in a full Cameron indoor arena, a full Dean Dome, a full Rupp Arena. I mean, the college basketball that they saw as high school seniors this year, it's not the college basketball that we know and love. And so the fact that so many of them, without visiting college campuses, without meeting the coach face-to-face, still decided to choose college over the pros is great for college basketball. Because guess what? In a week or two, these coaches are going to be able to go back on the road, going to be able to get these kids back on campus, they're going to be able to have them on campus for official visits for uh, Big Blue Madness, the, the... uh, the opening night for Kentucky, the the Duke Big Blue Madness, whatever the heck they call it, the craziness at the kennel, which is what Gonzaga's Midnight Madness is called. They're going to be able to get fans in Fog Allen Fieldhouse, Rupp Arena, Cameron Indoor, Dean, Do- like the kids that are now going to be recruited are going to see college basketball at its best. This past class saw college basketball at its worst, and most of them still chose college basketball. Like I said, in total, they've only the, the G League has signed three players total and only two total five stars. As I joked on Twitter the other night, Gonzaga, with the commitment of Nolan Hickman this weekend, who was previously committed to Kentucky, Gonzaga signed more five-stars this year. Hunter Salas, Chet Holmgren and Nolan Hickman than the entire G League did. So what does it tell you? What it tells me is this. It tells me what I told you all along and what I said is coming true. Is that I think a lot of parents, a lot of players, a lot of people that advise these players, they're starting to say what I have been saying for years. The value of college basketball is immense. And so again, I will never blame a player for choosing to take a professional path over going to Duke or going to Kentucky or going to Gonzaga or going to Kansas. I'll never do it because every person has their own individual situation. Some of them need money. Some of them need to help their families. Some of them just don't like school. Some of them want that professional environment. But I also think a lot of them are realizing, you know what, for everything everyone tries to tell me on Twitter about how evil college basketball is, how evil the NCAA is, college basketball is a really great platform for young people. Look at what it did for Jalen Suggs. Look at what it did for Evan Mobley. I think I've told this story on the show before, but I talked to the parent of a five-star player in this 2021 class, and I talked to him right when this G League option first became an option a year ago, his son was going into his senior year, and I kind of asked him off the record. I said, you know, you think this is something you guys would consider? And I won't say the parent's name, I won't say the player's name, but he is now committed to go to college at one of these elite programs. Maybe it's Gonzaga, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, UCLA, whatever. I won't say which one it is, but I bring it up because I asked him, he goes, listen, we're going to listen to everything, we're not going to turn down a meeting, but I got to be honest, if my son goes to Duke or my son goes to North Carolina or my son goes to Kentucky, he goes, that is the greatest exposure we can pop. Duke plays on national TV 40 times a year. Duke plays on national TV more than basically any NBA team does, except for maybe the Los Angeles Lakers. And so he said, if he's going to Duke or he's going to Kentucky or he's going to whoever, that is the greatest marketing tool that he could possibly have on top of that what he also said which I found interesting was he goes why am I going to have NBA people and he used this term and I loved it looking under the hood of the car in other words working with my son every day picking apart his game I'll send him to college and you know what when he gets out of college um whether it is John Calipari, Mark Few, Coach K, Roy Williams, Juwan Howard, whoever it is, whoever I send them to, when it comes to the NBA draft process, you know what's going to happen? They're going to say great things. Oh, I loved having him. Couldn't, couldn't, wish he had stayed for four years. That's what they will say when the draft process starts, as opposed to going to the G League where you're practicing, 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 And NBA people are around you all the time, and if you don't like to practice, if you don't like to compete, if you don't like to lift, if you don't eat right, if you are out late, if you're chasing, like, they're gonna find that out about you that they probably won't if you go to Duke, if you go to Kentucky, Gonzaga, Kansas, whatever. And so I'm just gonna wrap by saying, again, stuff could change. I'm recording late Sunday. By Monday afternoon, four guys could say I'm gonna skip college and go to the G League. I don't think it'll happen, but it could. Um, you know, things can change. Stuff can happen. But at the same time, when I look back on this cycle, this specific cycle, when these kids couldn't visit college campuses, when these kids didn't have a chance to meet these coaches face-to-face, and the fact that so many of them said, you know what, even though I couldn't get to Kentucky, even though I couldn't get to Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, I've said all the schools, I won't keep repeating myself even though I couldn't do that, even though I never got to see what a full Rupp Arena, a full Fog Allen, a full Kennel in Gonzaga, a full Pauley Pavilion, even though I didn't get to see any of that, you know what, I'm still gonna go play college basketball. I'm gonna take advantage of the exposure. I'm gonna take advantage of everything that college basketball provides for me. I didn't even talk about what the NCAA tournament did for Jalen Suggs from a marketing standpoint and Evan Mobley from a marketing standpoint, Cade Cunningham, even though they didn't make a deep run a marketing standpoint. Davion Mitchell, I think parents are starting to realize what I said. And oh, by the way, wait until name image likeness comes about and you can actually pay these kids some money while they're on campus. I'm not saying college basketball won the war against the G League and all these professional paths. But what I'm saying is at least for one year, for one day when I'm recording right now, it's a great time to be college basketball fan because we are going to get a lot of really fun players on college campuses this year. All right, a couple other topics I do want to get into. And the first one was, uh, frankly, probably the biggest thing that happened this weekend. It was Hall of Fame weekend. I know y'all know, I'm sure most of you saw it. Uh, It was just an incredible weekend to be a basketball fan. And I thought they did an incredible job in I guess it wasn't even Springfield they actually were at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut uh, honoring the class of 2020 with the Hall of Fame the highlight of course was a beautiful eloquent incredible speech by Vanessa Bryant the wife of the late great Kobe Bryant again if you missed it go find the highlights on YouTube Sports Center, wherever you find your stuff but it was incredible she did an unbelievable job honoring her husband. Uh, Outside of that, I actually thought Tim Duncan kind of gave a pretty awesome speech considering the fact that we basically never heard him speak at all during his NBA career. Gave about a 20-minute speech, honored David Robinson, Greg Popovich, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and it was a great weekend overall. And so that Uh, induction ceremony was basically for the class of 2020. And so that's kind of the interesting little caveat here. This was the class that was supposed to be inducted last fall. But because of COVID, it didn't happen until this year. And then on Sunday... The Hall of Fame actually announced its 2021 class going in later this year. So there will actually be two induction ceremonies. The 2020 class was inducted here in May. The 2021 class will probably go in sometime in September, October. And it was a bunch of names that, like, we all know, right? That's part of the Hall of Fame. Great players, great coaches, great whoever. Paul Pierce is going in, Chris Webber is going in, Chris Bosh is going in from the college game. Jay Wright is going to be a Hall of Famer, is now officially a Hall of Famer. Kind of crazy, not gonna lie. Remember when he was hired at Villanova? Seems like it didn't happen that long ago. Now he's a Hall of Famer with two national championships, three Final Fours. Where do the years go? But this isn't really about Jay Wright because he's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. Instead, what I want to talk about is a man that absolutely needs to be in the Hall of Fame, a man that absolutely deserves to to have that honor, to be honored as one of the greatest coaches in the history of, of basketball in general. And for some reason, the Hall of Fame committee keeps looking over this man. It is time to right that wrong. And the man that I'm talking about is our boy Bob Huggins. And here's the thing if you just kind of flip on college basketball and you just kind of watch college basketball, you think of Bob Huggins as the guy with the stool on the sidelines and he's yelling and he's screaming and this year he was pulling down the mask and he had the big red puffy cheeks and he's angry and he's yelling and he's got the little zip up thing on the, on his shoulders and like, he's Bob Huggins. He's just a guy. He's just awesome. He's just a great personality. But in reality, Bob Huggins is literally, not figuratively, I know, you, I, know I use the word literally too much. Bob Huggins is literally one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball, and it is an abomination that he is not in the Hall of Fame as of right now. And when, I think when I, sh- I show you and talk to you about what he has done, you're going to be blown away. First of all, most important stat of all, Bob Huggins has 900 wins as a college basketball coach. Now, not all of them came at the Division I level, but instead, here is what you need to know about Bob Huggins, where he is at in the all-time wins rankings in the D1 level. 900 wins in total, 870-something as a D1 head coach, and here is the full list of people that are ranked ahead of Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins is eighth all-time in D1 wins. Do you guys realize that? Eighth all-time, before I get to the list, I just don't think the average fan realizes Bob Huggins is eighth all-time in Division I wins, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And here are the guys who are currently ahead of him on that all-time wins list. Mike Shashevsky Jim Beheim, Bobby Knight, Jim Calhoun, Dean Smith, Adolph Rupp, and Roy Williams. That is the entire list of coaches who have more D1 wins than Bob Huggins. Let me read that list again. Mike Shashevsky Jim Bayheim, Bob Knight, Jim Calhoun, Dean Smith, Adolph Rupp, Roy Williams, and then it's Bob Huggins. That's insane. He is eighth all time. The seven guys ahead of him are all in the Hall of Fame. I would mention Roy Williams in his career only has three more wins than Bob Huggins. I love Roy Williams. This isn't a disrespect to Roy Williams. Roy Williams got in the Hall of Fame 14 years ago. 14. And Bob Huggins still is not in the Hall of Fame. And to me, it's unjust. It's an abomination because to me, it's not just about the wins. It's where he has done it at. And this is no disrespect to Dean Smith, no disrespect to Roy Williams, no disrespect to Adolph Rupp, no disrespect, by the way, to Bill Self and John Calipari, who are already in the Hall of Fame. But it's one thing to win a lot if you're Roy Williams at Kansas and North Carolina or North Carolina when you're Dean Smith and you were there for 30 years. It's another thing to do what Bob Huggins has done, which which is win at places that it's not necessarily easy to win at. Now I'm not saying Cincinnati's the worst job in the country cuz I think actually it's one of uh it's a little bit of an underrated job. But West Virginia ain't easy, Cincinnati ain't easy. Uh and certainly Akron and Kansas State where he also coached are not easy. So how about this for some stats? First of all, the guy's been coaching as a head coach at the D1 level since 1984, which is insane. Cuz it's been before I was born. I'm an old man. I got gray hair right now. Bob Huggins has been a head coach since 1984. In all of those years, whatever it is, 36, 37 years as a Division I head coach, there was one year between Cincinnati and Kansas State where he did not coach. Three losing seasons. One of them came in his first season in 1984, 1985, when most of us weren't even born yet. He had a couple down years early at West Virginia. But other than that, every single season has been a winning season. On top of that, like I said, He is doing it at places that it's not easy to win. I'm not saying Cincinnati's the worst job in the country. I'm not saying West Virginia is the worst job in the country. But it ain't, like I said, Roy Williams at Kansas and North Carolina. It ain't Kentucky. It ain't Duke. It ain't UCLA. It ain't Arizona. And Bob Huggins has been incredible there. I know when he got to, first of all, let's go back to the Cincinnati thing for a second. Cincinnati, four Sweet 16s, three Elite Eights, one Final Four. I know on paper that might not sound like, oh my God, that's a no doubt about it Hall of Fame resume. Well, here's the fact. Since he left Cincinnati, they have been to one Sweet 16, zero Elite Eights, and zero Final Fours. So four Sweet 16s, three Elite Eights, and a Final Four, one Sweet 16 since he left. So don't tell me that that's a great job when nobody can win at the level that he did when he was there. West Virginia, it's a little bit tougher because John Beeline got there three, four, five years before he did, and West Virginia was a respectable program when he took over. At the same time, you can argue that he has taken them and maintained them at a level that they had never been at before he got there. School has been to a total... Of 11 Sweet 16s or beyond, five of those have come under Bob Huggins. So basically, half of the Sweet 16s in school history are under Bob Huggins, and a bunch of the other ones where they advanced really far, that was way back in the 50s and 60s when they had uh, Jerry West and all those guys. And so I'm bringing it up because these are not easy places to win. And so when I put out on Twitter on Sunday that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, people were like, well, how many Final Fours? Well, how many National Championships? It's like, I get it. I understand that he does not have the traditional resume of multiple national championships, this, that, the other thing. What I would also say is he does it at places that are not easy and he has done it consistently. What did I say? 36 years as a head coach, 33 winning seasons at places that it's not easy to win and places that, oh, by the way, weren't winning before he got there and don't win after? That should matter. And for people that are saying, first of all, a couple other things. One... It's worth mentioning that just because you don't have the titles doesn't mean you haven't had teams good enough to get there uh, because his best team we all know was 99-2000 with Kenny Martin, certainly good enough to win a national championship, was the number one team in the country all year. Kenny Martin gets hurt in the conference tournament. They end up losing in the second round of the tournament. That was the best team in college basketball by a mile that year. So there's that. He's had other great teams, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. I mean, that's the reality, right? I, I, you know, go back to this March Madness. I think Mark is a great coach. I think he's really good at what he does. I don't think we need to hold it against him that he has not won a national championship yet. Um, you know, you can argue Bill Self only having one at Kansas is actually kind of a disappointment. So, so you know, to me, the, the lack of national championships should not matter. What it is is what he does consistently at the schools that he's been at. And I don't think he deserves enough, I don't think he gets enough credit. The other thing that I love He's a real coach. He changes things up. He does the way he coached in the 90s with Cincinnati is a lot different than what he does now. Heck, look at last year. They started the year as this banging, you know, low post, rebounding, physical, tough team with Oscar Shibuy and Derek Culver. Oscar Shibuy leaves, they turn into guard-oriented four-out, three-point shooting with Miles McBride and Sean McNeil. And so to me, I understand you can't put everybody in every single year. But when you start talking about the all-time greats in this sport, Bob Huggins is a lot higher on that list than you realize. He absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and it is a shame that he has not gotten in yet. All right, uh, last couple things. First of all, I did mention a minute ago, before we get to the last segment of the show, uh, next episode I will do my official winners of the college basketball transfer portal uh, for 2021-2022, I was thinking about doing it today, but with two marquee players, Severe Wheeler, Katie Johnson, both from Georgia, both committing on Monday, that will just about conclude transfer season. It's worth noting there are still a few players left in the portal. Remy Martin, who's really good, played at Arizona State, Marcus Bagley, Arizona State, Musa Cisse. Uh, Memphis, Quincy Guerriere, uh, Syracuse. But for the most part, the marquee players that have entered the portal have now made their decisions, most of them getting ready to return to campus here in the next few weeks. And so what I will do on the next episode is really break down the 8, 10, 12 winners, whatever it is, of transfer season because there has been a lot of moving parts and a lot of great players who have switched colleges. That will be on Thursday's show. What I do want to do now, though, is wrap up with a little segment we call where Aaron was right where Aaron was wrong and for people who are new to the show I do this a lot in the fall I do three episodes a week in the fall so there's more to kind of just air time to fill and what I do is it's a fun segment yes it is directly ripped off from Colin Cowherd friend of mine he does it on his show every Monday you talk about stuff that's been happening in sports what you got right what you got wrong all that good stuff basically a little fun way to kind of recap make fun of yourself a little bit listen I'm no different than anybody else. Sometimes I just whiff on stuff, and sometimes I suck, and sometimes I make these crazy predictions, and I look really stupid. So what I want to do is where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, talk about some things I got right and some things I certainly got wrong here over the last few months, where Aaron was right. I told you, for probably, frankly, about two, three, four weeks, I said, look, Kentucky, John Calipari, they're circling around these two elite assistant coaches, Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, and when they get those guys, it is game over. Now, I'm not, I never said Kentucky's going to win a national championship, be ranked number one in the country, but the idea that this team was going to go 9-16 and 16 ever again, I just didn't see it, and I thought a lot of things had gone wrong at Kentucky over the last couple years, but I also believe that getting these assistant coaches in place was going to help. Orlando Antigua knows John Calipari. John Calipari trusts him. They like each other, they work well together. You also bring in Chin Coleman, who Orlando Antigua as now the highest paid assistant coach in college basketball. He trusts Chin Coleman, he likes Chin Coleman. What happens? First of all, go out, week one, Ty Ty Washington, five star point guard commits to Kentucky. Big news, fascinating news, awesome news, and it happens in large part because Chin Coleman had a great relationship with Ty Ty Washington dating back to his first recruitment in the fall. On top of that, it appears as though Severe Wheeler, the guard from Georgia, is going to commit to Kentucky. Kentucky is the favorite, as I record here. By the time many of you guys listen to this, Severe Wheeler will have committed. But beyond that, what I am really excited about is seeing these guys go on the road and recruit this summer. Because whatever, whatever you want to say about Kentucky... Um, You know, John Calipari is a guy that, one, targets the best players that he possibly can get. Kentucky is a program that often gets into recruitments late. They're not the type of school that offers a kid when he's a freshman or a sophomore. They want to see him in person. And I do believe the fact that they were not able to get on the road last summer may have hindered the recruitment of the class of 2021. I am fascinated to see what Kentucky can now do. With Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, Jay Lucas, and John Calipari on the road, I would expect them getting back to number one recruiting classes. I would expect them to getting back to signing top five prospects. Again, we just talked about the G League. I don't think it's as strong of a sell as a lot of people thought it would be. A year or two ago, there are going to be players that choose that option. But when they're choosing college, I think Kentucky's going to be in the mix for a lot of these guys. Your boy A.T. nailed that one. Where Aaron was wrong, did not nail this one. Mike Woodson at Indiana. And if you listen to the show, you kind of know where I've been on Mike Woodson from day one. When he got hired, what did I do? Gave a moment of silence to Indiana basketball. Said Indiana was now a football school. Said Indiana basketball as we knew it was dead. Yeah, well, I was wrong on that one. And my concern was pretty simple. I said Mike Woodson's in his early 60s. Mike Woodson has never recruited. The recruiting landscape is changing by the minute in college sports. How would he do? Well, Went out, got a bunch of elite assistant coaches, kept Kenny Hunter, who was on the previous staff, Dane Fife, who has been an assistant at Michigan State for a couple years, played at Indiana. And what happens? They First of all, they retain a bunch of key players from last year's team, Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, Christian Lander, pull out of the portal. They decide to stay at Indiana. And then, thanks in part to his assistant coaching staff, but in, thanks in part to himself, because he's a stud, Mike Woodson is, they go out, they get an elite five-star point guard, They also get two studs out of the transfer portal. Xavier Johnson, a guard from Pitt. Miller Kopp, a forward from Northwestern. And I gotta say, at least as of right now, I I was wrong on Mike Woodson. I didn't think he'd be this good. I didn't think he'd be that fast. I understand he's never coached a game, but guess what? We all knew the guy could coach. We were worried about how he recruited. So far, he has nailed it. I was wrong on that one. Where Aaron was right, this is kind of a convoluted one, but work with me here. I just want to give a quick shout out to the New York Knicks, who are going to the playoffs for the first time since 2012-2013, when ironically Mike Woodson was the head coach. But here is why I was right. Because a large part of the Knicks' success was thanks to a little rookie named Emmanuel Quickly, friend of the Aaron Torres podcast, and I can go back to last year. You can listen to this show. And if you remember, when the season ended last year, there were a lot of reporters out there, not going to name names, one of them. I'm not going to name his name, but he's blocked me on Twitter. doesn't like me, but he was saying, oh, Emmanuel Quickly needs to come back. He needs to learn how to play point guard. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. And I said, Emmanuel Quickly's going pro, and Emmanuel Quickly's going to be a first-round pick, and Emmanuel Quickly's going to be really good. Well, he went pro. First round pick, and he's been really good. And he didn't need to come back to Kentucky to play point guard. Averaged eleven and a half points per game as a rookie this year was one of many really good rookies. Anthony Edwards, I will admit, has been better than I thought. Lamelo Ball has been awesome, but Emmanuel quickly a key cog to the New York Knicks making the playoffs for the first time since 2013. And I'll say this: I can be critical of the NBA at times, but. I'm really excited for these NBA playoffs. A lot of really interesting dynamics. You got the play-in games. You got some fun young teams. The Charlotte Hornets with LaMelo Ball, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, guys like that. The New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks with my friend of me, Trey Young. His dad doesn't like me. No big deal, whatever. Fun NBA playoffs, but Emmanuel quickly wanted to give him a shout-out as he helps the Knicks make the playoffs for the first time in almost a decade. Where Aaron was wrong. So on Sunday... We crowned an FCS national champion in college football, Sam Houston State, the Bearcats. And where I was wrong was this. I have always been a believer spring football doesn't work. By the time we're done with 15 weeks of college football, by the time we're done with 17 weeks of the NFL now, we have 17 regular season games plus four weeks of playoffs, we're footballed out. And so every time that someone tries to shove the XFL down my throat or the AAF or the spring league or the CB, whatever, whatever these fake leagues are, I say, they're not going to work. Nobody wants to watch bad football in the spring. We're footballed out by the end of the Super Bowl. But what I will say is the FCS, which had to push back its season this year because of COVID, I thought they put on an entertaining product in the spring. And to take it a step further, I really enjoyed some of those games Deion Sanders, head coach at Jackson State, they played in the spring, I caught a couple of their games, caught a couple of the playoff games with North Dakota State early, South Dakota State, Sam Houston State, and it was a really fun product. I actually even saw my boy Cole Kublick, friend of this show, say a, a couple times that he believes the FCS should move to the spring permanently, that there is an audience for it, and I believe that there just might be. I don't think there's an audience for bad professional football. But for FCS football, where you do have talent, where you do kind of have uh, whatever, a a, a little bit of a mini thirst for college college football, I thought it kind of worked. So I thought it was awesome. Congratulations to Sam Houston State on their national championship. And I thought I was a little bit wrong because I never thought it would work, but I enjoyed the FCS spring football. Finally, where Aaron was right but also wrong. (laughs) On Saturday, Nolan Hickman, former five-star guard, was committed to Kentucky. He commits to Gonzaga. So here is why I was wrong on this one, because during the NCAA tournament, when it was clear that the transfer portal was going to be insane this year, I said that Gonzaga was going to crush it in the portal. Instead, it was actually kind of a quiet portal season for for Gonzaga, as they basically... Um, really only signed one guy from the portal, Rasir Bolton, a a guard from Iowa State. But where I was right is Gonzaga did kill it as they signed three different five stars in the spring period. Chet Holmgren, number one player in the country. Hunter Salas, five-star guard. Nolan Hickman, five-star guard. So I was wrong that they did not kill it in the portal I was right because they did kill it. I was just a little bit surprised that Mark Few decided to go with the younger players. Gonzaga will be fascinating next year by the way because they had some good guys in the program on the bench developing. It will be interesting to see how those guys mesh with the returnees that played last year like Drew Timmy, Andrew Nemhard, but also these five-star freshmen. So yeah, I think that's it. I think on Nolan Hickman, Emmanuel Quickly, my boy Mike Woodson, uh, FCS football, I think I'm out of here. That's it for this episode of the Air tour Sports Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening, uh, but I'm done. Make sure you're subscribed. If you are not subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, if you have an Android Podcast Addict app, is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to also rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. We actually have a few new quick five, quick, uh, quick. We have a few five star updates since the last time I read them. So maybe I'll read some, some uh, reviews here in the future, but make sure to rate and review the show. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Also, my my new Twitter account for this podcast, Aaron Torres Pod, you can find it there. Instagram, Aaron Torres Pod. The YouTube channel, over 4,000 subscribers, so thank you guys for the incredible support there. Uh, also, Gmail, you got any questions for the show? Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torren Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. I will be back later this week. Transfer rankings, severe Wheeler talk. Who knows? Maybe even a guest that you might enjoy. That is all for today's show. We'll be back on Thursday.